Are you ready to dive into a world of captivating stories, laughter, and enlightenment? Look no further than Unfiltered Studios, your gateway to an incredible podcasting experience. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores life's victories, one nail at a time. Petals of Support brings you heartwarming tales that remind us, even in the darkest moments, there's beauty and hope. Get ready to be entertained by the wit and humor of The Sleevy G Show, where interviews are always fascinating. Need a good laugh? Tune in to Refiltered, our comedy podcast that's sure to tickle your funny bone. Discover inner peace and guidance on Finding Your Way, a spiritual podcast that nurtures your soul. Relax your mind and body with hypno-wellness, your path to a healthier, more balanced life. Love movies? Movie Lovers Unite is your passport to a world of cinematic wonders. Immerse yourself in the magic of storytelling, laughter, and enlightenment as you're taken on a journey through the fascinating realm of movies and television. And don't forget the Stupid History Minute, where we uncover the quirkiest stories of everyday items. Unfiltered Studios is your destination for diverse, engaging content. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every story finds its voice. Visit unfpod.com today. And hello, movie lovers. So today, I actually have my good friend and co-host, Alex, with me from the Crop Top uh, Critic. Uh, so we're going to be reviewing Halloween. This is actually the 1978 one with Jimmy Lee Curtis. This is the birth of a horror classic. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into it. Let's travel down to the roads of Haddonfield. You see, you're even bouncing around on here just as you are bouncing around in your uh, picture. So it actually works out. I, you know, I like to just bounce. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, welcome to the welcome to the show as always and everything too. I'm actually glad that you're back and we're able to do this. Yeah, me too. I'm was I missed you. I miss all of you. Heart. Missed you too, dude. I miss you too. Heart? But you but you know what though, heart? man? You're working your ass off to win your channel though, and I'm proud of you for it. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate that. I've been I honestly been kind of on the struggle bus lately. I've been driving that thing around for a while. Uh, so, but, so it's nice to, you know, step away and come over here and, you know, like be a part of this too. So thank you again for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. So we're going to go scene by scene of the 1978 classic with Jamie Lee Curtis. So welcome to a special edition of our podcast where we're diving deep into the horror classic that started it all. Halloween from 1978. Join us as we explore the spine-tingling story, the iconic slasher Michael Myers, and the lasting impact of the film on the horror genre. So grab your popcorn, turn down the lights, and prepare for a journey into the chilling world of Halloween. So, what, I have a question for you. Was this your first time seeing Halloween? When was like the very first time you've seen Halloween? I'm going to be honest with y'all. And please don't be mad at me. I have never seen th this Halloween movie. I've seen yes. the Rob Zombie Halloween, mm -hmm. just the first one. I've seen the the remake requels, the 2018 Halloween and Halloween Ends and Halloween Kills. Those were garbage. But I haven't seen the very first one, the one that started it all, which 
is a big movie sin. That bugged it bugged me having seen those movies and not seen that. It bugs other people when I tell them that. So this is my first time. Dude, I am so happy that this is your first time because now I can get to geek out with you because of the fact that this is your first time reviewing it and seeing it for the so I'm not even mad at you for that because okay. I'm happy that you did that. Judith Myers is at home and on Halloween night spending an evening with her boyfriend, Judith, and her boyfriend eventually leaves the living room and go upstairs. Michael then enters the house wearing a clown costume. He goes into the kitchen and gets a butcher knife out of a drawer, then hides in the living room until he sees the boyfriend leave. After the boyfriend leaves, Michael walks upstairs where the friends has discovered a clown mask on the floor. He picks it up and places it over his head. He walks into Judith's room where she is seen sitting in front of her vanity mirror, brushing her hair. Michael begins stabbing her repeatedly. Eventually, she falls out of her chair and onto her bedroom floor where she dies. So the opening scene alone, I like how they go into the first-person view thing, just like how they did in Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. I like how they set that part up first and giving us some context of what's going on and within this house. Yeah. You know, at first I was bugged by it because... I was just like, why did Michael do that? He just straight up shanked his sister to death. Like, what was the purpose of that? But, like, I guess that's the theme of his character is just, there's no purpose. He's just evil. And something in him just snapped one day and just wanted to murder. So, like, so that that part was well done, just establishing, like, who he is as a character. But also, that opening scene was hilarious to me because a couple reasons first reason is from the time judith and her boyfriend go upstairs to have sex and the time it took michael to at least get into the house it was about a minute and a half i would say and in that minute and a half judith and her boyfriend went upstairs had sex and then he was out the door so i was just like that was like way faster than any quickie I've ever heard of like, it, like it, did you notice that too it was just like dang he got out of there pretty quick yeah he was like a five second man not even a five minute man yeah he like they just went upstairs and then he's like all right I gotta go and I'm like bro what happened up there that was the real you know what he needed though man he needed some hymns that's what he needed he needed some hymns so that way he could actually perform better in bed I was just like oh <laughs> oh man that was I was like, well, that did they didn't laugh? Because I thought he was going to kill both of them. I'm like, oh, they're having sex. They're going to be up there a while. And he immediately. So that was funny. And then when he started, <laughs> when Michael started stabbing Judith, that mm-hmm. was funny to me also. <laughs> Not the stabbing part, but just how she was reacting to being stabbed. Just, oh, 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 no, oh. Uh, uh, it was like kind of sexual but also like bad acting and I, I you know I've never been stabbed before maybe that's what people sound like when they're stabbed I don't know for sure but that was uh, no, uh, uh, like oh this is I, I want to feel sorry for her I can't it's just too funny right now <laughs> Well, you do know that they were trying to make it into like an Albert Hitchcock kind of thing, though, too, because of Psycho and stuff. So I understood what they were going for. But yeah, it doesn't hold up as good as much as it used to for me. 
uh, that scene, I didn't laugh at it. I'm like, okay, this is just there to set up the plot, and then we can just move on from it, and then we get introduced to Loomis. And that's basically how I felt about it. And then, of course, the whole entire shock thing of that camera pulling away from him in this clown costume, and then it goes into the next uh, in a couple of years later. But what did you think of the pull away of the camera angle and showing Michael in his clown costume with the blood on on the knife? It was that was a cool shot because like you're expecting, you know, just how your mind just creates this image. Like you're expecting like a large kind of scary looking kid, you know, a scary looking person that just murdered their own sister. Like when they pull away and you just see this little boy who's just just kind of blank to the to everything going on. You're like, dang it! It could be anyone that has that that just evil in them. So I thought that was a really cool scene and and shocking too. It was like it's just a little boy wearing a clown costume. Like that's that's a trip. It definitely is, and especially the fact that he's expressionless. He doesn't have any type of expression with him. He's just like he just stands there, and they arrest him. And then, fifteen years later, it is a it is a rainy night as Doctor Samuel Lomas and Nurse Marianne Chambers drive it to Smith's Grove Sanitarium. They are charged with transferring their patient, twenty one year old Michael Myers, from the hospital to the Hayden. Uh, county courthouse so he can stand trial for his crimes. Loomis warns Marion about how dangerous Michael is, although the patient hasn't spoken a word in over 15 years. Damn, that uh, that's more than the amount of years that uh, anyone that I've ever dated uh, that I pissed off never spoke to me. So What was your initial thoughts of Loomis inside the car with Marion and then them explaining the whole entire deal where he hasn't spoken a word in 15 years? I'm curious about, like, how a real um, psychologist would uh, diagnose Michael Myers because, you know, just, just hearing how Dr. Loomis describes him, you know, this is an evil person like i'm doing everything in my power to make sure they stay michael stays locked up that's just pure evil there's nothing in there like i don't know once again i could be wrong i'm not an expert on psychology or anything but i feel like psychologists don't aren't supposed to talk like that about their patients or they feel like they don't give up on them like i but then again dr loomis has been with him since he was a boy so you know he would know the most about Michael. So like just in real life, how would a psychologist that has Michael handle it, handle it. But, um, cause Dr. Loomis definitely has a, a hate boner for, for Michael. Totally understandable, but he does. Right. Because he winds up explaining, Hey, look, he's actually a little bit more, he's crazy. He's expressionless. He doesn't say anything. He hasn't spoken to me in 15 years or anything like that, and you need to be very careful with him, very cautious with him, and then I'm th- thinking to myself, wouldn't you also want to have cops with you to escort him into the next county as well? Yeah, I'm like, they were Why, just going to put him in the back seat, or... <laughs> because my, thought, my other thought is this, it's just the two of them, now that I'm reviewing it and stuff like that, wouldn't they want a cop to be with them and escort them? What makes Loomis so special? Why does he have to be the one 
to do this. It's like nobody wants any part of this. Like everybody at the security place was like drew straws that night. It was like, you know what, Bob? What? Um, we're gonna draw straws. Okay. Every, anyone that has the short straw, we're not gonna go. Okay. Everybody on that one must have actually had straw, short straws, and nobody decided to go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like, well, what is Loomis doing now? Well, you know, he's been with Michael for 15 years. He's kind of old now, so let's just get him to do it. I, I was wondering that. I'm like, so they're just going to – this is how he's going to die. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to drug him up to the point where he can barely stand, and then we're just going to transfer him to this place. And I was just like, yeah, don't – wouldn't you need a, a, a police officer at least? Or, <laughs> like, isn't there a whole bus system that you use to do this? It, there's all these things about that scene. I was just like, all right, this this is where Michael escapes, I bet. Because it's just this old guy and a nurse who's who, like, neither of them are prepared for this 21-year-old non-pain feeling man. And Exactly. And then he goes, when, Loomis says, uh, frankly, but he believes that he is a psychopath. Why does he believe he's a psychopath? Either you know he he's a psychopath, or you don't know he's a psychopath. You've been with him for fifteen years, like, so you, you mean to tell me in fifteen years? You should know. <laughs> you didn't believe. You should know this by now. Uh, he is, or he is a sociopath. Whatever, whatever the f- correct fr- phrase is. First doctor ever. Yeah, <laughs> but but as they approach the main gate, they notice several of the patients outside wondering about the rain. Loomis gets out of the car to check the gate, leaving Marion by herself. Michael Myers appears and leaps on top of Marion's car. He reaches inside to grab her, and Marion guns the vehicle. She brings it to a quick stop, however, and exits the car. Michael jumps inside and drives off. That scene made me so angry. Because she saw him jump on top of the car. Why did she roll down her window to, like, look? Like, <laughs> no, you keep your windows rolled up. Like, have him break the window. Like, if he broke the windows and, you know, dragged her, fine. You know, that that's, you know, that's, that's the game. Sometimes you lose. But that was her <laughs> fault. Why did she roll down the windows? <laughs> like, I just want to see this guy. On the car, I like, just want to see what this guy Loomis is talking about. You just about. had a whole conversation with Loomis about how messed up this dude is, and you're going to open your window when he's on exactly top of like the it's door. a drive-through, like it's a drive-through no. mental mental asylum. Yeah, no, my 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 windows are rolled up, and I'm putting that car in reverse. I'm I'm skidding. He's better hold on. That's actually how I felt though too. I mean, I'm I've been like gutting for it. We're basically just running over Michael, mm-hmm. I, and then I would leave uh, Loomis behind and be like, "Peace, peace, dude. It's been real. <laughs> they don't pay me enough for this shit." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You know. But yeah, I thought the initial scene though at night, I thought the lighting was really good for the suspense of it. I thought that they, they did a very good job of building building that scene up to where we get a little bit of a peek of Michael and knowing what we're dealing with. It's, it's like mm-hmm. the legend, um, someone t- around the campfire talking about this legend that everybody knows. And then when finally, when you come across that legend, it becomes so real yeah. to the point where you basically don't know what to do. And I don't know if that's what the nurse was like, was in like uh, shell shock. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that when you're panicking, you're not thinking clearly either. 
you have the and she decides to roll down the windows just like how we would actually lower the volume for our car to find out to see if we're actually going the right way but it's not the same thing yeah i I get that i just i feel like if i was in that position my brain would automatically be like okay protect yourself are the windows closed (laughs) right it wouldn't be like oh someone dangerous is on my car i want to look at them Plus, it's also storming that night, too, man. Like, why would you roll down the windows on a stormy night afterwards? And then also, too, you're not even going to be able to see them in the first place because it's dark. It's dark. And I'm not going to get water all over my car seat. Like, nah. But now we're in the town of Haddonfield, Illinois. High school student Lori Strode leaves her house and begins walking to school. Her father is a realtor. Uh, ask her to drop a key off at the Myers house. Along the way, she comes upon young Tommy Doyle, whom Lori frequently babysits. She has plans to look at him after him on Halloween night. Now, the house is now condemned. This looks like a Freddy Krueger nightmare in Elm Street house. I get the fact that you, some people might, back in those days might be looking for a fixer-upper and stuff like that. And some people would actually demolish the house and try to resell it on that property. Mm-hmm. And try to cover it up. Oh, you know what? Someone died here. But let me show you this kitchen. No, not them. They're yeah. going to go on ahead and try to sell this rundown the house. Foundation's really good. There's murder here, <laughs> here but gotta love this kitchen. Let me you show you where young part? Michael picked up the butcher knife real quick. This is this is where, if you actually look at it, you can see the chalk outline upstairs. Look how easily the drawers open. This is where the knife was, by the way. But anyway, those drawers, look at that. <laughs> Slides right in and out. You know, this scene, th- this was the first scene that, that scared the snot out of me. When she's like, oh, I'm going to go put the key under the mat. Oh, here I go. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, it's going to be like a fake scare. Like, you think something's going to be there, but not really. And then just out of nowhere, just shows the inside and his head appears. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's... That got me bad. Oh. And it's like, to be honest, you know, yeah. that, that was like the first of many jump scares in this that, you know, that gets you. Cause it doesn't, this is like back before jump scares were like just constant and like they don't do any like build up music to it really. It's just quiet. And then all of a sudden, duh, like that's how it should be, honestly. Right. And I like the fact that, you know, there's no background music to let you know that something's out there. But I do like the fact that we see a glimpse of Michael behind the curtain of the house and he's looking out, uh, looking outside as Lori's looking inside, basically, mm-hmm. to put the key underneath the mat. And I like that airiness and that creepiness of it. And you also have this little bit of, well, you have the darkness and then you also have a little bit of the light on the outside. So basically, Lori would be the light, he would be the dark. So I like that kind of concept in a sense. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, this is the thing I had a beef with whenever it came down to the Doyle. You know what I'm saying? Whenever I had, basically when we had um, Tommy being introduced to us in Halloween Mm -hmm. Kills was they didn't learn jack shit from this night or this experience. They just went balls in and decided to try and take down Michael themselves. Yep. That was the issue that I had with Halloween Kills. And yeah, yeah. 
But, okay, so another thing, though, too, is, like, I like how atmospheric this movie is because it yeah. does feel like Halloween. It does feel like a Halloween day. This reminds me of my little small town that I live in. And they do trick-or-treating at stores and things like that. So I like the atmosphere behind it and things like that, too. And I like how um, uh, basically you actually have the little kid. You have him being excited because Lori's watching him for the uh, watching him on Halloween night. And they're going to watch horror movies together and preparing their night for that, which is something that I really love about that. It's a tradition back in those mm-hmm. days. But yeah, as... Tommy uh, launches a barrage of questions at Lori. She turns to drop the key off at Meyer's. Okay, okay. Um, at Meyer's house, Tommy warns her that it's a spook house. She slips the key through the mail slot. There, but there is someone inside the house staring through the window at her. Lori doesn't notice the strange shape peering back at her, but he keeps a close eye on her as she continues walking to school. As Smith's Groves, Loomis argues with hospital administrator uh, Terrence Wyan. He blames him for allowing someone like Michael to escape. Wyan doesn't understand how he could have orchestrated such a breakout, uh, saying that he doesn't even know how to drive a car. Loomis reports with, he was doing a very good job last night. Loomis knows exactly (laughs) where Michael is going at infield. Yeah, it was just... He's like, well, apparently he can. Someone taught him because he <laughs> stole my my damn car. <laughs> he played GTA before it even came out. He played GTA <laughs> before it was cool. Yeah, true. <laughs> he must he, have one of those little whoop. drivers in uh, PC computers, you know. Of he whipped out of there. Yeah, but. You know, I, we talked about the little bit of the, the peak behind the curtain. We talked about that. But Loomis blaming the hospital staff for the incompetence of what happened and everything, too. Do you feel like it is the hospital's fault for that? But at the same time, I bet that, like, well, you know what? You knew he was crazy. So, well, I, I mean, know. their job is to hold the people there. And. So, like uh, you don't even know how they escaped or if they escaped at all. They were people were just wandering around outside, like you know. And I'm surprised Michael didn't just just walk away because like they were outside of the hospital, right? Like outside right. the front gate, just kind of chilling there. It was like, was he just standing there waiting for a car? Like, how did they even escape? They were just. Like there was no That's fire. That's what I no, want to know. I was wondering, no, if, like, there was like a riot that Michael decided to orchestrate. Did he kill somebody? Like on Rob Zombie's Halloween, which is like an Elseworld movie, right? Outside of the canon. But I was like, what actually happened? And I wish they would have actually expanded a little bit more on that yeah. instead of that. All the people being outside of the building, all the in uh, not inmates, but all the people that are getting psychological help. I wish they would have actually been, uh, they would actually show more to it other than them just being outside that gate. For sure. When he's pulled up. Because I think it would actually gave us a lot more concrete stuff. Yeah. This is one of like the point, many points throughout the movie where it's just like, it would be even better if they, you know, went a little bit more detail. Like I just need a little something like show a fire somewhere in that field. Like, you you know, like show the gate broken open, like something, something to be like, oh, obviously they broke through somehow. Like, so 
there was a riot, there was an accident, something happened. Like, you know, like we don't need a whole whole scene describing explaining it, but you know, just something, a little, a little bit more. A little bit of mustard exactly. on that sandwich. <laughs> but yeah, at Haddonfield Elementary School, a group of bullies uh antagonized the small uh smaller Tommy Doyle to circle around the boy who was carrying a pumpkin and begin chanting, The boogeyman is going to get you, Tommy. Scared uh scared turns to run, but falls and smashes his pumpkin. The kids take off running, one of whom has a chance to encounter with the shape. The shape is uh in reality Michael Myers gets into the car he had stolen from the hospital and shadows Tommy Doyle. And I was thinking to myself, why don't you just look? The bully was should have been the one that he was shadowing, not Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And then that was another thing. I was like, <clears throat> obviously, there's a connection that he has with Laurie Strode and Tommy. And, uh, you know, we learned this in the sequels, obviously, but in this movie, like, doesn't really give you a reason why specifically he wants to go after Tommy and and like why didn't he just like oh well I have this kid in my hands <laughs> right now they just kind of just, gets... just kind of shake right. for a second right, because and Tommy just, is yeah. like the first encounter that actually sees Michael and actually bangs into him I'm like Lori who just sees glimpses of him parent behind bushes mm-hmm. and things like that too but it makes it a lot more clear to Tommy that he's more than just a shape. He's actually a person and everything too, to the point where he actually believes in the boogeyman. But did I miss, sorry, did I miss at any point in the movie? Cause I've been looking for it. I, I read that he's Michael Myers is referred to as the shape. Yep. But I never hear it in the movies or do I just miss it? Did they call him the shape? It? No, in any that's of the actually how that's actually what they put into it is the shape. That's what they put in, like, like the written this, stuff. Yeah, that's why he's called the shape. Mm, yeah, I, like I've heard that, and I'm just like the shape. I thought it was Michael Myers. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of confusion, but it's the fact that he can pretty much blend in anywhere and things like that too. And he's like that guy, basically that person that can scare you at night basically. Mm. So, but the reason why I was thinking that they would, he would go after the bullies is because remember when we did trick or treat, right? Where basically you have these traditions of, of the holiday spirit. And if you wind up breaking the rules, you die. So what I was thinking was, well, because those bullies broke the pumpkin and then with Michael being so into like Halloween, I was thinking that maybe, because those bullies broke the pumpkin, those would be the ones that he would go after, not Tommy. Yeah. And also because, you know, the guy's a punk-ass bitch, but, you know. Um, <laughs> Him, but, Michael Myers yeah. was just driving around in the car just made me laugh. Just because, like, when he was, like, driving past Lori or, or Tommy and just how much you know, he's turning his head and kind of doing all this i'm like bro you about to crash like how awkward would that be <laughs> he's just like just, oh damn just bumps just rear ends so like, oh god so uh, here's my insurance my bad <laughs> hey my, my my bad officer you look like that my my myers guy from the hospital i don't know what you're talking about i get that a lot i'm wearing a mask you can't tell <laughs> 
But I, I definitely like this set, the initial setup of Tommy first beating him for the first time and making it surreal that he's scared of him, even though he doesn't know who he is yet. Yeah. And just but how yeah. he was stalking Lori when she was walking home from school. Like that had, like he was just standing outside her school window and just, it does that, that little music that, like, and he, he's just there. Though that, those scenes scared me and just, just how yeah. intensely he is staring at her. And I'm like, oh no! It definitely has that unsettledness, right? Yeah, thank you. Unsettledness is, or you know, he's driving past them in the car, and all of a sudden he just stops after the friend talks mess. I'm like, oh, she's gonna be the first one to die. He's like, yeah, that's why I had to stop the car. He's like, hey, what's that girl's <laughs> name? Nah, hey, what's no, up? I got you. Are you I'm doing? About to choke her later <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! She's about but, to get choked. Uh, but yeah, but 73 miles outside of Haddonfield, Loomis pulls his BMW off to the side and makes a telephone call to pay from a payphone to tell Sheriff Blade uh, Brackett in Haddonfield. He warns him about Michael Myers and tells him that he is coming to Haddonfield. Loomis hangs up and expects a nerdy, empty, oh, a nearby empty truck. Sorry, I can't read my notes. Uh, bearing the logo for Philip's garage. He finds a set of discarded hospital robes in the bushes next to the truck. What he doesn't see is the body of a dead mechanic laying in the under, uh, underbrush only a few feet away. Dang. Yeah, I was like, oh, poor mechanic. But he has to be the worst prank caller ever. To, he's like, look, this is Dr. Lomas. Uh, there's Michael Myers. He's about uh, he escaped from mental institution. Who? Don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming by. Click. It was frustrating, <laughs> honestly. Just any scene with between Loomis and the sheriff. I'm like, Loomis is the doctor. You're like he's known this dude for 15 years. Why are you doubting him? He's like, no, he escaped. He wants to be here. I am telling you this. I've studied him for years i know what he's capable of i know what mm -hmm. he wants even though he doesn't talk i know what he wants for some reason and in the cause just like oh sure 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 and i was just oh, that was frustrating to me i think it's just the whole fact that this is a small town so they don't mm -hmm. really believe they're pretty much stuck in their ways and everything too so they're not going to trust any kind of outsider with any kind of even though he's a doctor, they're not going to trust anybody outside of their jurisdiction that would actually be beneficial to them. They're going to go by their own stature, their own standards versus somebody else outside of the law, regardless of the fact that they're a doctor. That's why that girl gets choked. Yep. Later in the afternoon, school lets out and Lori meets up with her friends, Linda um, Van Der Klok and in any bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Vander Cook. <laughs> Michael's in the car writing that name. Vander Cluck. I don't, I'm choking her. I don't know how to spell her damn name. No. <laughs> Lindy Cole complains about all the new cheers and she, uh, she has to learn what, while Annie huffs about her boyfriend Paul dragged her into the boys' locker room. As they walk home, Lori stops and she realizes that she forgot her chemistry book. A car slowly drives by and he shouts at the motorist. The car screeches to a halt, then starts, starts up again. 
three girls resume the their conversation and go over to their plans for Halloween night. So basically, they're like, okay, well, Ren car just stops after they yell at him, and that's it. Okay, well, okay, so, Lori, what are we doing for Halloween? Are we going to go on ahead and throw a party? Like, we, yeah, yeah, girl, we're going to go on ahead and throw a party. Okay, sounds good, you know? Huh, we're, we're babysitting tonight. <laughs> well, while you two are having premarital sex. <laughs> Worst Halloween ever. Worst Halloween <laughs> ever. I have to watch kids. No. Is, uh, that has to suck. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, Ish. dang, these are teenagers. Don't they have, like, anything to do? <laughs> Halloween? Well, just... I feel bad. Get this, though. Lori and Loomis are basically almost the same. Because now she has to put up with Tommy's shit. Because she's, like, the only babysitter that's available on Halloween night. Then you have Loomis, who's uh, the who ba- is basically lo- looking for his lost ba- kid because he escaped from a mental institution. So they're both <laughs> one kid's annoying, but, yeah. the other murders. <laughs> Come back tomorrow, but uh, Lori is babysitting Tommy, while Annie will be babysitting a girl named Lindsay Wallace. Uh, three doors down, <laughs> when Lindia. Has a date with her boyfriend Bob. They continue walking, and Lori suddenly sees the shape standing just beyond the hedge. She is disturbed by the strange mask that's that he's wearing. Just as quickly as he appeared, he disappears again. Annie, who did not see the man, inspects the hedge and turns up nothing. She teases Lori, telling her that she scared away yet another potential boyfriend. The girls split up, and each of them return to their respective homes. I want to know something, man. What makes them think that this would actually be someone that they would want to go with? What do you mean? You know, I, I'm just wondering what makes the girl, what makes them think that this is actually a guy that they would want to go out with, that this would be good for Lori. Like, oh, 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 it's uh, someone who's staring at me behind the, the hedge bushes. Oh, potential partner. No, absolutely not. Oh, uh, yeah. It was like, there's just no way. Like, oh, you were staring at me from behind bushes? Okay, well, stay behind those bushes. There will be no romantic affiliation. I'm not even entertaining that idea. Not even romancing the stone, for that matter. But, like, yeah, I'm like, why would a guy be poking, hiding behind the bushes be a good match for Lori? It's like, well, damn, I missed my chance to get stalked. Let me do. <laughs> Guys but, are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but I like how the airiness and the creepiness of it is where you have this guy just, like you said, Alex, where he's just staring at her through the hedges, through even at school. And you have that unease about it, like you're being watched. And that's exactly how she feels, even whenever she doesn't, she even got her friend to walk her all the way home. Even her friend calls her out on it and everything. She goes, you see, Lori, I locked you home. Nobody got you or anything. Like, I wouldn't go home, honestly. I'm like, if I think someone kid. is following me, hootie hoo, if someone is following <laughs> me, if I think someone's following me, I'm not take. I'm not going to my house. I'm just... I am staying out on the street in public. I'm not turning down any alleyways. I'm not going into any buildings. 
I'm in the street. I'm making a whole bunch of ruckus too. I'm singing to myself. Like, I'm going to get as much attention to me as possible. No, no, no. Not going home. No. I would not be going home. I would actually try to basically just walk around in circles or anything until he runs out of gas since he's driving. <laughs> or... <laughs> just, oh, damn um, it. Michael goes to the gas just... station. <laughs> right. Because I think it was like this, though, okay? I would actually try to sidetrack the guy into thinking where um, the opposite of what he wants, where, he, where he's going to be stalking me at. You know what I mean? If I've been seeing this right. guy everywhere, I would not be going home. I would actually be going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Lori is still on edge about the image she saw. She goes to her house and walks upstairs to her bedroom. She looks out the window and believes that she sees the shape standing in the backyard amongst the clothesline. In the blink of an eye, he is gone. The telephone in Lori's room suddenly rings and Lori answers it. All she hears is strange noises coming out from the line. Startled, she quickly hangs up. The phone rings again, and it is Annie Brackett. Annie wants to know why Lori hung up on her. Apparently, she had been chewed, uh, chewing food the first time she called. She tells Lori that she will pick her up at 6 o'clock in a few hours. And he picks up Lori, and they drive off. Yeah, about the when he's looking at it. One that 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 scared that scene scared me too. Where he's just out there, but like she doesn't take her eyes off of him, but he still disappears. So I'm just like, did he just teleport? Can Michael Myers teleport? Well, don't forget though, too. She also glances. He also glances away when she's answering the phone, though, too. So that is a that was after he run. disappeared. <laughs> so I think Michael Myers can teleport. Probably not all the time, but probably like Either once that, a day. A fa- he must have just been eating his Wheaties that whole entire fifteen years and be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go on ahead and run for it. He just that's <laughs> the only time he runs when the camera's away. It's like, oh shit, she saw me run. <laughs> Oh damn! Run. Run. Uh, but it still has that unsettledness. I know we've been joking around, but it still has that unsettledness of someone watching you, even through the okay. sheets. There's just something eerie about someone watching you through the cheat sheets that you ended up dry cleaning. Mm-hmm. Especially with that mask you- like that. Exactly. But yeah, then you also have uh, Loomis arrives in Haydenfield. He goes to the cemetery and the graveyard keeper leads him into the Judith uh, Judith Myers' grave. When they get there, however, they discover that the gravestone is missing. Loomis normally declares he has come home. Really? (laughs) This is just what he's been telling you guys that what he's after this whole entire time. We've been seeing him, Loomis. Let's go. I'm surprised the car he's driving around is basically like a federal vehicle. And no one, like none of the police are like, hey, that's a missing federal vehicle. Well, I think also Lori's friends points that out, though. But that's bad that a pedestrian will point that out, but not a cop. Yeah. And not only that, but okay, you're driving around with a headstone, right? And it's like a cop car. Wouldn't that weigh down the car? It's just it's just rolling around in the back seat, <laughs> and Michael's just like, damn it. Should have should have brought the ropes. 
<laughs> he's just holding it's in the passenger seat next to him. He's just holding it. He's driving. Like, oh, hang on, sis. <laughs> hang on. Right. But, you know, I, I like that whole entire deal where it's really creepy that you actually would bring your sister's headstone with you. And then the cops at first didn't don't believe Loomis. They think that he's lost his mind. And then finally, oh, now we're now we're in trouble. Now that the yeah. headstone's missing, now we're in trouble. This dude's but, not playing, though. <laughs> but Annie and Lori keep driving. Lori has a pumpkin with her that she says she's giving to Tommy Doyle. She believes that uh, carving jack-o'-lanterns will keep him occupied. And he intends on subjecting little Lindsay Wallace to six straight hours of horror films. Turning the corner, they pull up to... Nicholas Hardware Store, where they find uh, Annie's father, Sheriff Lay Brackett, standing outside. An alarm is ringing, and several other police officers are walking about the scene. Apparently, someone broke into inside the and stole some Halloween costumes. Annie and Lori drive off, and minutes later, Dr. Loomis arrives. He introduces himself to Sheriff Brackett. <clears throat> I like that scene. This is where he's talking to the sheriff. He's like, I don't know where Michael Myers is. He could be anywhere as he's driving right behind. <laughs> I was like, that was both cool, but also funny. It was just like something you see for in a cartoon. Like, where is Michael Myers? Like, doo, 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 doo. just driving by. It reminds me of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where yeah. you actually have where the father is in the taxi cab, and then right beside him is uh, Ferris. Yeah. So. But I like how they said, oh, all they stole was rope and uh, costumes and a mask. Like, like it was no rope, big deal. Like people do this mask, all the time. A knife and some rope. And I'm like, no, that's cause for concern. Like a mask. Okay. But a knife and rope like that. That's not a that's not a safe, healthy uh, combination there. No, that's a lot of red flags in 2023. You would get red flags. Why yeah. don't you get an air freshener and also while you're at it, get a fishing pole? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You're fishing, not right. murder, hopefully. <laughs> and get some off spray because you never, yeah. But uh, Kidrick says, I really had no plans of watching this movie, but now I'm hearing y'all think, uh, y'all talk about it. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. It's streaming on Prime right now. So you can watch it for free over there. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was like a lot, a lot creepy because of the fact that you have this like this small town. And then acting like it's not even a big deal that somebody brought some rope, a costumes, a mask. Like this, this happens every Halloween. Then Loomis introduces himself. And I like how you have the children who pulls up first and then right behind him is Dr. Loomis. And it's like, okay, so the girls are fine. It's a little bit of innocence, and then here comes the serious part. Yeah. But uh, while Annie and Lori are driving, they begin discussing their boyfriend troubles. Lori is an introvert and is too shy to ever ask a boy out on a date. She exp uh, expenses an interest in a student named Bennett uh, Trammer. Little do the, little, the girls realize, but the shape is following them right to, uh, around town in his stolen car. Now we're getting into Halloween night, but I like how this movie is basically a slow paced film and it winds up feeling, it feels tensed. It only does it feel tensed 
but you also feel afraid for them because you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then you're also uh, feeling bad because they're getting stalked. I really have to say you're really on edge around this time. By the time Halloween night comes, yeah, they. What about for you? Yeah, it 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 does a good job of building the tension. I at first I was feeling I was starting to feel it a little bit, like it's a little too slow. But like once you get into the full on blood and carnage and all that. It, it, it was worth it's worth the wait it, it builds itself up really well um but it, you know just for another fun nitpick thing i'm surprised that the girls hadn't noticed that michael myers was driving right behind them because it was nighttime he just had his headlock lights on i'm pretty sure the high high beams were on too even though they parked and started getting out the car like they didn't just be like who's that car parked right behind our car <laughs> with the lights on. I was, I was just like, well, "Dang, Michael! At least park like a like a block away on the opposite side of the street." You know, it don't look so suspicious. But to be fair, though, I always get whenever I'm driving in like a old in the country roads and stuff like that in the morning time. I always have this big ass truck that's always blinding me. The same truck every single night morning because mm-hmm. he works. The guy works construction. So, you know, I can relate to the high beam situation, but like I would have been really pissed. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, evening falls and the shape continues to follow Annie and Lori. He pauses with while Annie drops Lori off at the Doyle house. Annie then pulls into the Wallace driveway uh, directly across the street. The shape gets out of the car and watches as Annie talks with Mr. and Mrs. Wallace. Meanwhile, Dr. Loomis meets up with Sheriff Brackett. They go to the to the old closed-down Myers house. Wandering through the first floor, they find a uh, partially eaten remains of a dog. Brackett cannot believe that a man would do this, but Loomis reminds him, this isn't a man. The two men go upstairs, and Brackett shows him Judith uh, Myers' bedroom. Loomis tells Brackett about his history with Michael Myers. He, he details how he spent 15 years studying Michael only to determine that there was nothing inside the child's mind but perv evil. You know, that broke my heart. You know, you can murder all the humans you want in these movies, but as soon as a dog gets harmed, there's a couple of dog kills in this, and that that hurt my soul. I don't like that. Leave the dogs alone. I didn't like the dog kill, to be honest with you, either. John Wick needed to come back. Come if he was in the 1970s, I think he would actually kill Michael Myers. Who killed Michael? That would be a good fight. I wanted John Wick to show up and just beat up Michael. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, hey John, you ready? No, yeah, yeah. kill my dog. I le- like I legit almost turned off the thing when I watched when I watched that movie because they killed a bunch of dogs and oh, that was a horrifying thing. Like I was prepared to just stop watching it. And just give it a bad rating because it killed dogs. And then, so in this one, and he, you know, like I said, oh, he ate a dog. I'm like, well, that's worse. That's worse than that's the worse. thing. No, the thing ate the dogs too, and multiple dogs. Right. That's true. Oh, because I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up. Uh, it's no, no, no. You're good. Legit traumatizing. Anyway, yeah. I don't like it whenever they kill dogs off or anything like that in the movies either, to be honest with you. But you know, Didn't I understand where they 
I think that they could have just done without the killing and just show him eating something and not have to just tell him, oh, that's an animal. All they had to do was like, that's animal remains, and that's it. They didn't have to go into the detail of that's a dog remain. Yeah. Or you could have just had Michael break into someone's house and kill them and just eat up all their food. <laughs> well, that would work, too. That would work, too. Uh, at the Doyle house, Laurie reads Tommy a King Arthur story, but Tommy would rather have her read comics, and he calls the house to see how Laurie is doing. She tells her that she has set her up on a date with Ben Trammer. Laurie cannot believe that Annie would do something like this like that and is completely embarrassed she wants annie to call him back to cancel the date but she refuses while in the midst of the telephone call tommy looks outside and catches a glimpse of the shape across the street at the wallace house he runs back to tell laurie that he just seen the boogeyman but laurie naturally does not believe him but i just want to talk about this about the whole scene the scene at the michael the myers house though i like seeing abandoned houses I'm a, I don't know what it is about abandoned houses and stuff. But I like it when people go into them and they explain certain things inside the house and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I really liked and how they did this in the movie. I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah. I like that too. I, I, the, the, I, I Abandoned houses, they're just so intriguing. Like, I would never go inside an abandoned house. Like, I'm too paranoid, but... I do want to just look at them. <laughs> do want to look at them, but but um, at this in this scene when uh, Tommy is freaking out about seeing the boogeyman, I'm surprised that Lori just immediately dismisses him because she was being stalked by a dude all day. So I'm surprised she wasn't like, oh, maybe uh, probably not a boogeyman, but probably he saw the dude that I've been seeing. So hey, Tommy, yeah, let's. Let's lock everything up and just post up in the room upstairs and just call the police, call the police, or call your parents or something. You know, not that the parents would help against Michael Myers, but you know, it's just something. Like, I'm surprised she was just quick to be like, ah, there's nothing out there. I'm like, this dude was standing outside your house and the school and following you in the car. Like, for me, I was thinking, well, maybe she was thinking, well, this guy, it's nighttime now. People, maybe this was just like, like, I just one of those things that just well not a one-time thing but at the same time she's probably like well, you know what that happened it's over with now it's fine and now I'm here to watch the kids I'm not here to t- think about my day I'm here to watch them she has a job right. to do. but I definitely do see where you're coming from though too it's like okay so you're quickly to, to miss him and not even be like, you know what? Maybe there might be some truth to this. Maybe I need to go on and inspect it or call nine one one or something. But no, he just says, Let me, "Here, Tom. Here, Tommy. We're just gonna both look out this window all night." <laughs> yep, there he is. All right, let's just go. I just get in the car right. and drive off. But yeah, at the house, Annie spills popcorn or uh, popcorn oil on herself into and has to change her clothes. While she fumbles about for a robe and some for some detergent, Michael Myers spies on her from outside. The Wallace dog Lester catches his scent and begins barking. Michael waits for the dog to come, uh, and we talked about this, so we're not going to bring that up. Annie brings her soiled clothes to an exterior la- uh, laundry shed in the backyard. She hears the door suddenly creak open and thinks that it might be her boyfriend, Paul. 
She goes in and closes the door, but when she tries to open it again a moment later, she finds that it is locked. She begins calling out to little Lindsay Wallace, but Lindsay is in the main house engrossed in a scary movie and doesn't hear Paul. Uh, doesn't hear her. Paul calls the house and asks Lindsay to get Annie for her. Lindsay hangs up on Paul, but does indeed go go out back to find her babysitter. She frees Annie from the locked room and tells her that Paul called. There's nothing much going on with that in a sense. Is Michael just a pervert too? I know he doesn't feel... Yeah, but it's just like they portray him as like this emotionless, humanless being, you know, that just wants to kill. But he, you know, does stuff like that. He just watches this girl like, is he just choosing for the right moment? Or oh, I don't know. It it be interesting to know what his thought process is, but that once again that defeats the whole purpose. Defeats the whole purpose of the character. So yeah, I was just like, yeah, you're a pervert. Why are you a pervert? Just kill her. She's stuck in the window. <laughs> I was expecting him to just be like, shoom, slice her up real quick, right? But you know what else I think that is funny, though? We talked about the thing. I think it's funny that um, the, the kids are actually watching the black and white version of the thing, the original thing. The original. But yeah, Annie takes Lindsay across the street to the Doyle house and drops her off with Lori and Tommy. Lori doesn't like the idea of Annie unloading Lindsay on her just so she can go on a date with Paul. But Annie promises that if she does this favor for her, she might consider calling Ben Trammer and canceling the prearranged dates, thus saving Lori a lot of embarrassment. Lori finally re- relents, and Lindsay goes into the living room to watch television with Tommy. Uh, then Annie goes back to the Wallace house to get her car keys. She enters the garage and gets into the into her car and notices that all the windows in the vehicle are completely fogged up, fogged over. Michael Myers rises from the back seat and begins uh, strangling Annie with his right hand. He then pulls out his knife and slashes her across the throat. That's what he does. I, I It was quick. I saw he like pulled up something and then like it looked like he thwacked her with it and then she died. I was like, <laughs> did he just hit her with a stick? Like what? What was that? I, it, it was hard to miss, but that part made me, I'm not gonna lie, it was scary. She was getting killed. It also made me laugh because just like, yeah, you thought I forgot about that joke? earlier <laughs> i have you on this list girl and i told you i'm gonna choke you right but oh you know what else though man oh like uh, i was thinking about this there's no blood in this movie at all and everybody oh, talks wow. about how gory this movie is and you know in the 1970s texas chainsaw massacre as well people talked about how gory that movie is and i'm thinking that there is just something psychologically within us that when we see somebody, for example, getting hung on a meat hook, we're thinking, Oh, that's graphic, but they didn't even show blood on that scene. No. So I'm thinking that we oh, as an audience is picturing it as bloody. Mm. So that's something that I wanted to actually uh, think about too. Yeah. I know. I know movies back then were a bit more chill when it came to, blood and gore and then you know the the exorcist movie came along where she's stabbing herself in the genitals with the with the crucifix where i was like oh that's oh oh my lord but <laughs> that that's the exception to the rule 
but yeah, usually the like there was like there is blood in this, but it's all just kind of like after the fact, like oh, the remains like little little sprinkle of blood here and there. Exactly, and I like that little subtleness to it, where it's like not overboard with it or anything like that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, a lot of movies, at least these days, overdo it with the blood and gore, where it's just like, oh, well, now it's not even scary. Now it's just ridiculous. Like that's too much of a mess. I don't think that's what it would look like. But well, I'm okay with gore as long as it's there to amplify the story. But yeah. if it's just there for the sake of being there, that's where I have the issue. Yeah, for real. It's just like you don't do too much with it. Like make it a realist. Like, like if if there's a scene that justifies the guts, like if someone with a giant hook just sliced open someone's stomach, okay, yeah, I expect stuff, a bunch of stuff to fall out. But like, like don't just slash someone with a knife across their chest and then just ah, you know but yeah at the Doyle house Tommy Doyle decides to play a trick on Lindsay Wallace and begins hiding behind a curtain while doing so he happens to look out the window and see Michael carrying Annie's body back into the Wallace house he begins shrieking and shouts to Lori that he's seen the boogeyman Lori comes in from the other room to calm Tommy down and insists that there is no such thing as the boogeyman, but now she is getting exasperated and with Tommy and threatens to send him to bed. So that's also another, like we were talking about before, how Lori doesn't believe him. He's just getting tired of Tommy's crap. And be like, look, you don't pay me enough for this. Five fifteen an hour. I need at least seven fifty an hour for nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, for pay. How, how much babysitters got paid in them right. days, especially <laughs> on Halloween. Like, yeah. I pay me a little more to not do anything for Halloween. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Loomis keeps a steady uh, steady eye over the empty Myers house. He sees a group of kids approaching, each one daring one another to go inside the supposedly haunted house. From behind the bushes, Loomis scares them off, poorly, whispering, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. The kids run at the sound of the vo- of his voice, and Loomis leans back, satisfied smile growing across his face. Sheriff Brackett appears and tells Loomis that he is losing faith in the doctor's abstraction over the impending threat of Michael Myers. Loomis tells him about the stolen headstone, but Brackett dismisses it as like nothing more than a Halloween prank. Okay, how is stealing a headstone a Halloween prank? <laughs> Small town. In the is Illinois in the Midwest? <laughs> is that the Midwest small town? People are bored. I I can see people like vandalizing a uh, gravestone. I've it happened in cemeteries I lived at. I didn't live no lived by. I didn't live at cemeteries. I am not a vampire or a ghost. Um, but uh. To steal a headstone, especially a very specific one like Judith Myers, like that alone is like, mm, okay, well that's missing. The person that killed the person, the the person who owned the headstone, is missing. Like it's, you know, it yeah, it was just that that was just another part that frustrated me about like just believe the doctor, he knows this man, just listen to him, do what he says. Exactly, but you know, small towns and stuff like that too. 
they're not going to end up trusting an outsider or anything like that. They're going to try and do things their ways, their way and everything. And just, they don't, they also don't want to do the paperwork either. They just like, okay, someone stole, um, headstone ha 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 okay good halloween prank okay halloween prank in 1978 uh headstone yeah we'll look for that later um but i do like that whole entire silliness with uh loomis joking around with the kids as a halloween prank stuff like that too because it shows that he does have a little bit of a sense of humor that was fun those kids needed to be scared need to be humbled a little bit yeah then we have now we're getting into the killing Lindia uh, Van Der Klaak and her boyfriend Bob Sims. Whatever her name is. And her boyfriend Bob Sims pulls uh, pull up to the Wallace house in Bob's van. They are both somewhat uh, in um, basically they're they're having sex and there are empty cans and strewn um, about the inside of the van. They want to spend some time with Annie, but also hoping to find a place where they can be intimate with one another. They Have quickly a discover sandwich. Yes. <laughs> they quickly discover that Annie is not around. Lindia calls Lori to see if she knows where Annie is. Lori is tells her that she is off on a date with her boyfriend and that now she is stuck watching Lindsay Wallace. Uh Lindia tells Bob the news, and they both smile, knowing that they now have the house completely to themselves. They go upstairs in the master bedroom and have sex. Afterwards, Lindia asks Bob to go get her beer from the van. He does so, but then comes back inside, and Michael Myers is waiting for him. He shoves Bob against the wall and stabs him with his knife, pinning him to the wall. Michael takes a moment to admire his handiwork, handiwork as Bob Bob's body hangs bleeding from the wall. Coolest kill in the movie. No way that's possible. I don't, because the knife, it was sticking out mostly still. And I don't know how it would pin to the wall like that, but it did look cool. But the thing that bugged me the most, <laughs> when they were having sex, the, you, you said it, it was in the master bedroom. That is confirmed. Yes, this is if I was the owner of that house and I found out that the person I hired to watch my kids let this up, let their friends come over to have sex in my bed. So I'm I'm getting teenage booty hole all over my sheets like, no, no, I would I would be so upset. I would be like, well, I'm kind of glad Michael Myers got to you. You don't do that to someone. Stranger's bed sheets. Oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> well, not only that, but the guy also doesn't last that long either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, it was just like, dang, it's just they just finishing quick. Like, dang, all right. I mean, you know, get one, get one out quickly before uh, you get murdered. Like, <laughs> and then, talk about a quickie though, too, because. On the fact that, you know, he winds up finishing. First, they get interrupted. They put the phone on off the hook. Then I, I'm sorry. If I get interrupted or whatever, that's it. I'm pretty much done almost. Oh. But he, he he went on ahead and tried again, and he didn't last that long. 
But anyways, um, he then takes a bed sheet and drapes it over his body. He places Bob's eyeglasses over top of the sheet to fool Lydia into thinking that this is actually her boyfriend. He enters the upstairs bedroom wearing the sheet, and Lydia chuckles. She attempts to entice Bob by bearing her breast, but then she the shape betrays no reaction. She grows frustrated. She then demands the beer that Bob was meant to retrieve for her, but still the shape does not does nothing. Angrily, Lydia gets up from uh, gets up and decides to call Lori again as she waits for Lori to pick her pick up her phone. The shape dis- discards the bed sheets and glasses and begins strangling Lydia with the telephone cord. On the other end of the phone, Lori, believing the caller to be Annie, warns her against playing any more uh, phone pranks. Lydia falls to the floor dead. I was like, once again, the 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 they have a woman making sexual noises as she's dying. <laughs> I was just like, oh no, there there should be immediate red flags after like the second response, lack of response from who you think it's your boyfriend. You know, like he's just standing there. I would have just been like, okay, I said three things. My partner didn't answer me. I'm jumping out the window now. <laughs> He ain't gonna catch me, though. So. Oh, I would have to like Michael threw the beer can at her. <laughs> that would have been a great kill. That would have been a great kill. He just throws it hella hard at her. Here, have a Bud Watts. <laughs> Sponsored by Coors Light. Oh, <laughs> uh, now we, we need to make our own scary movie now. Just so we can have a kill like that. That'll be epic. Just throws a beer, right? <laughs> but you know, and then she's also th- also too. I would have noticed the body language for sure. That's with uh, Juliana uh, Figueroa. Yep, I would actually notice the not only that, but the height though too, as well, because you know, you, I know he's tall, but Michael's has a little bit more of a reach, I think. As well, mm-hmm. so he's 21 I, I would have old. These are like teenagers, right? Right. Yeah. That's also another thing too. But I also think that, the, uh, like I said, like you said though, this is actually a cool scene with them being stabbed with the door through the door and stuff like that, and being hung on the door. I definitely love that scene. Every time I see it, it does make me have goosebumps when I watch it. So it works, but also too at the same time, I can understand why. You know, it doesn't land as well in a sense, in a sense, though, too. Totally unrealistic, but it's still super cool. <laughs> <laughs> but at the evening, uh, as the evening wears on, Lori Strode puts Tommy and Lindsay to bed. <clears throat> he decides to take a walk and strolls over to the Wallace house. She sees that none of the lights on and wonders if Annie is still around. She goes inside and walks up the stairs into the bedroom. She finds Annie's body sprawled out across the bed. The stolen headstone of Judith Myers rests at the head of the of the bed. Lori go, begins to scream as she turns around. She finds Lydia and Bob's bodies in two separate closets. Lori runs into the hall. Michael Myers appears and slashes Lori's across her right arm from behind. The impact pushes Lori forward and she falls over the banister and down the steps, cracking her ankle in the process. She runs to the back door, but the handle is blocked with a garden rake on the opposite side. So Lori has to smash the glass to release the handle. She manages to run outside and begins screaming for somebody to help her. She goes to the neighbor's house and 
begins pounding the door, but they refuse to let her in. She then hobbles back to the Doyle house as Michael uh, stalks after her. The neighbor legit, like, opens their window, looked at Lori, and then closed it and turned off the lights. I'm like, dang, that's (laughs) cold-blooded. You can't. It is. It's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I you know? was, I, yeah, yeah, I, I was frustrated with Lori. I'm like, don't try to go inside a house. Just keep running down the street. Like, if he's coming after, he's coming after you. So he wants to kill you. So you just go, girl. Just keep running. Don't, don't try to hide in a place. But I'm glad she. You know, she gets to the house finally. Freaking Tommy taking his sweet time to open the door. <laughs> to let her, uh, like, don't you hear your babysitter screaming bloody murder? Like, put some pep in your step, kid. Like, come on. That's how you survive horror movie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, have you know to what? I would actually, home. even though those people are innocent bystanders. At uh, the house, I would actually go on ahead, go inside the house, let them be the sacrifice, and then hurry up and go out the back door. Yeah, that's true. The neighbors definitely do survive. They, they, they're like, nope, I'm not in this movie. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want none. <laughs> Sorry, kid. This seems more like a you problem. <laughs> I'm having a nice evening in my house. I'm going to watch the thing. You can go on ahead and have you go your way. We'll go, we'll go our way. We don't meet in between. I don't Fine. know if you can tell. My door is locked. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the scene, this scene though, the, uh, as well, where the stolen uh, headstone is there. And it's, you know, I thought that was actually a pretty neat way actually doing it. And there, too, but I don't understand why you would put the headstone there and then have the girl laying there it's unless like, it's to mock his sex. sister's death. Don't have sex when you're supposed to watch children. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what set Michael off. He's tired of babysitters running off to sleep with their with their boyfriends or girlfriends. And so he's just like so he goes after all the babysitters that do it that does that. But I also like uh, the shadow of Michael, though, where Lori is hiding, and then you see the outline of his face. That was cool. That was dark. a cool shot. That it was me. perfect. I love how that bl- blends in perfectly with that. Yeah, that was a cool shot. John John Carpenter just uh, had some epic shots in this movie. I'll give him that for sure. So the door is locked, and Lori cannot find her key. She bangs on the door repeatedly, shouting for Tommy to let her in, like you said. She throws a potted plant towards Tommy's window to wake him up. It'd be funny if Tommy was actually near the window, and she just winds up... What? (laughs) (laughs) That's something out of a scary movie. (laughs) Right? Tommy awakens, but not... But not sensing the urgency in Lori's voice, takes it his time getting downstairs. He finally lets her in, and Lori tells him to lock Lindsay and himself in the upstairs bedroom and finds the phone is dead. After Tommy leaves, Michael appears in the living room. Lori stabs him in the neck with a uh, knitting needle. Lori hobbles and pushes the kids back into the a room, then runs in adjacent bedroom where she hides in a closet. Michael comes after and begins tearing through the panels of the closet, 
crawling in terror. <clears throat> Lori takes a coat hanger and hits Michael with it, forcing him to drop his knife. She then picks it up and runs through his stomach. Michael collapses onto the floor. She, like, stabbed him in the eye with it, right? Like, that was cool. Yeah, I was he's... like, I, kn- I knew that a hanger, a scene with a hanger was coming up. And I'm like, is she just going to, like, this, just thwack him with it? But, like, she, like, undid it and then pierced his eye. And I'm like, that And not was... only that, it's not those plastic yeah. ones. It's actually a real hanger, a like, metal one. Metal hanger. Yeah, a little little tiny like yeah, those will definitely do it if you go through someone's eye. I think uh, I would have. I kept yelling at the screen, just like no, keep stabbing him. Like you, you have his knife. Just go. Uh, he's just laying there on the ground, probably like passed out or whatever the heck he's doing. <laughs> but I'm like, I would just keep on, keep on going at him. And there's also a lot of heavy breathing when he's busting through. Um, through the through the closet. Yeah, I'm gonna get this girl. <laughs> I am so pissed off. My I hate Halloween. I hate Halloween. I hate babysitters just not watching the kids and having sex in in other people's beds, not even in their own be bed. Oh, but man. Lori goes to the bedroom and tells the kids to go to, uh, to the street to the McKenzie house. What makes you think that they want to be there and have the adults call the police? Why do they want to call the police? They both run out of the house screaming and fright. Loomis see- sees them fleeing and begins uh, trotting towards the Doyle house. Lori takes a moment to collect herself. She stands up, but as she does so, Michael Myers rises as well. He comes up behind her and begins strangling her. Suddenly, Lori rips Michael's mask off, causing him to let her go and giving her a chance to see his face before putting his mask back on. Loomis shoots Michael six times, like 50 cent, before Michael falls over the house's second story balcony ledge. Lori realizes it was the boogeyman, to which Loomis replies, as a matter of fact, it was my dear. He doesn't say my dear. I, I put the emphasis on there. Uh, Loomis looks down <laughs> over the balcony to see that Michael is gone. Unsurpri- unsurprised, Loomis Tears off into the night while Lori begins sobbing in terror. Places where Michael had um, places where Michael had previously been are shown as he's breathing. His breathing is heard, indicating that he is still alive and could be anywhere. In the last view of the Myers house. That was a cool ending. I like that ending. We just showed all the different places, and then the breathing, and that, <laughs> and then Lori crying. I'm like, oh, cool. We're getting a sequel. Ugh. But <laughs> sequels, sequels, <laughs> lots of sequels. Uh, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very well done. I thought the scares were super effective. I like how you know they 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 just the jump scares are surprising. You don't see them coming, and just you know the unsettledness, the eeriness of it. Just this stalker, this this. this unstoppable stalker like that was cool um and the theme song of this movie is so lit (laughs) like i can't help but anytime every time it was playing in the movie i was just like hey dancing along to it my only issue with this movie well we we talked about it briefly was there's a lot of the story that you know could have used more detail like why why was he going after Lori specifically? Because like he set up 
the tombstone and those bodies as like obviously as like a memorial basically a memorial or like as a as a way to show he was trying to show something and you know they felt so that may obviously it's like okay this is personal like he wouldn't put up he wouldn't put up this display if he really wasn't feeling some type of way about Lori for whatever reason. And, you know, we learn in the sequels, but, you know, I would have liked a little something from there. So that was my first issue. Uh, my second issue is that a lot of the acting was God awful. <laughs> it was, it was God awful acting, especially from the, the, the teenage girls. I was just like, Oh no. Like Loomis was okay. And Jamie Lee Curtis, I liked her. She did good. Everyone else, it was just like, oh, it was kind of cr- not uh, not cringy, but it was just just out of place. So like, anytime they were getting people were getting killed, just ah, uh, ah, uh, oh no, ah, uh, yeah, it was it was laughable, laughable. Especially the strang- the part where she's the girl's getting strangled. I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, it was just like, why is you? Why are you making her sound so sexual? Like I, I, yeah, it's just the, the acting was laughable, but overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I think like, it makes sense that it became so popular and launched all of the sequels. Not only that, but it was like a low budget film at the time, and mm-hmm. they also were trying to film this in the summertime or something like that. I think in California, and they were, they, as a matter of fact, I believe that the leaves were changing. So they had to go in there and actually color the leaves as color the leaves. Oh, dang. <laughs> That's dedication. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I like this movie. It still is one of my favorite movies I love to watch on Halloween. Um, yeah. The pacing of it is really good. I like the slow pace of it, the tension build up towards it, um, the atmospheric of Halloween. They captured the magic of Halloween. Yeah. Um you're scared for Lori. You're scared for these kids. You're involved, invested into it. Um, but yeah, some of the acting is like overacted. Some things needed to be expanded on, but I guess that's because of the budgeting and stuff like that. So they weren't able to expand on it as much. But right. I do agree that they needed to expand on some things as well. So yeah, all in all, still a great fright to watch. So that's going to be it as far as the show goes, man. Uh, is there anything going on as far as your channel goes or anything like that? Um. Yeah. So. Um, you you all can actually watch me react to this Halloween movie. On uh, um, that video will release on October thirtieth, but day before Halloween. Um, yeah, so that doing that, and then next week I'll be doing my review on Saw. I also did a reaction on that, but then technical difficulties deleted everything. So I'll 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 just give my opinion on that. And always until next time, guys. Thank you again, Alex. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having and me. And anytime. And I don't know why I said thanks for having me. You're always you're always here. You know, you're in the logo. Here. I'm everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I appreciate you as always, man. You're you're great to the podcast and stuff like that. So let's go on ahead. Always until next time, guys. Bye.